0: thirsty? You've come to the right place to wet your whistle. It's The Liquid Lifestyle with Ryan McGarrian, a full hour of liquid refreshment. Now, here's Ryan. And a super amazing Saturday afternoon to you, my thirsty listener. And if the sound of my voice is nipping at your ears at this very moment, you know that you're riding the earth with us here at The Liquid Lifestyle on the Radio Northwest Network. And as always, I am your host and on air bartender, Ryan McGarion. And if you're joining us for the very first time, which I hope most of you are, this little show of mine is dedicated to all things liquid and delicious with a special leaning towards uh, potent potables, as you know, specifically spirits and yummy cocktails and beers and wines, uh, with occasional forays into fine coffee and tea, along with, of course, the fine folks and joints that serve them up, be them right here in P-Town, uh, or uh, as you've experienced in the past, parts, uh, parts far, far beyond. So, man, I've been promising this for a long time. I, I, I've, been, I've been promising you we're going to get into coffee, and today is that day, and I'm so stoked to be chatting coffee, uh, selfishly, because I feel like I'm going to learn a lot uh, just sitting here with my man, Ville, uh who owns uh, Heart Coffee Roasters here in P-Town, and uh, you know, I don't want to get too far ahead of, uh, of us today, but uh, Portland has experienced so many different beverage renaissances in the past 10 years, and not the least of them has been uh, the renaissance we've seen in coffee. And uh, uh, as a world traveler, man, I, I've, seen, I've, seen, I've seen cities that people say, oh, we, we, we've got the best coffee culture in the world, you know, cities like Melbourne and San Francisco. And I could tell you, I don't think anybody's got anything on what we've got here at P-Town. So I'm going to talk lots of coffee, 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 uh, Ville, how the heck are you this morning, man? I'm good. Dude, it's good to have you here, man. And, uh, uh, so, um, Heart Coffee Roasters, um, how, you know, you started this, uh, actually I want to jump back cause I, I've, I've heard a rumor that before you got into coffee, Vile, uh, you, you were a professional snowboarder, man.
1: Yes, that's what I did. Um... I started snowboarding at 12 years old, and I got sponsored when I was 16. I had a lifestyle of just traveling the world and living out of my bag for over 12 years before I, like, I mean, when I was about, I think I was 25 when I settled that I want to actually live in Portland. I've already moved here. Um, But, yeah, for, like, 12 years, I lived out of my bag and traveled the world, and... It was great. Uh, no complaints. No regrets. Was that a family
0: thing? Did did like mom and pop buy you a, 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 a plank to put on your feet, and you started went going down hills, or how did how did that get into you?
1: Um, I was skateboarding when I was a kid, and then my dad got a job in a university in Finland, in like way eastern.
0: Oh, that's uh, right. So you grew up in in Scandinavia, yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, Finland, Sweden, um, back and forth quite a bit. Um, but my dad got a job in, in Savonlinna, which is close to Russia border. Um, and, you know, I was skateboarding. I was, I was kind of pissed because they had, we had short summers there. And they I lost lost my skate crew. And, uh, yeah, so naturally, you know, wintertime was cold and there was nothing to do. And I saw people were, you know, snowboarding on the hill. And I was like, maybe I should do that too and because I have nothing else to do. And that's kind of how I... That's how I started. I sold my, um, I think it was like an Amiga 500 at that moment. And then I had like like some sort of blue aquarium, whatever. And Dude, you're would... talking like the Amiga, like the computer. Yeah. Dude,
0: I have not heard the term <laughs> Amiga in like two decades, man. Well done for bringing that bad boy back.
1: Uh, so I got enough money to buy my first Sims Blade snowboard, which was a complete disaster this kid ripped me off but um it was great you know at least I got on the hill and I was doing something instead of skateboarding uh in the winter time and I really quickly got super into it and I became pretty much obsessed with it and I think that's kind of my personality I get into things and I go dive head first and that's what I did you know I watched snowboard videos I snowboarded every like as much as I could and everything involved around snowboarding I just did it so much. Eventually, you know, you do something for so many hours, that's how you, you become a professional at it. And my goal wasn't to be a professional. It just happened. Kind of like one day I was riding with these really good guys, and they were like, who's this kid? He can do all the tricks we can even better and more consistent. Like, let's bring him on the trip. And that's how it started. They brought me to Switzerland, and in Switzerland some photographers took pictures, and they were like, hey, will you wear these Airwalk clothes if we buy you a plane to get to U.S. and go ride them on hood? And I was like, sure. And that's how I ended up in Portland the first time when I was 16. And I started riding them on hood. Dude, so uh, you get here when you're 16. Did you go back and forth, or once you
0: landed in P-Town, were you, was it just you or here and, you, and the story, and your
1: story just, just remained in Portland? Uh, no, I mean, I, I loved Coming here in the summertime because of Mount Hood and skateboarding here in the city and then going to beach. It was great. You know, it was the first city in the US that I kind of felt closest to home. Uh it had a little bit more culture. It wasn't like sitting in traffic for hours to get there and and you know, Portland's changed a lot in the last, you know, fifteen years or well, sorry, twenty years. Uh, so um it was it's a little different. You know, uh back then, first two years I was just coming to Mount Hood just summertime. And then when I was like 18, I met a couple of friends there and I was like, I really like Portland. So I started coming here more like making sure that I had some snowboard trip or something line that would come through Portland. Um, and then it, it took me several, you know, I, I lived in Switzerland for a bit for snowboarding. I have a daughter that still lives there. Um, and then I lived in Stockholm, Sweden for a bit. And then when I was uh, 23, I moved to Portland.
0: Okay, so 23 is when you start to plant your roots here here yeah. in Portland. Okay.
1: Yeah. So, and then, you know, it's funny because kind of like a year or two before that's kind of when I got into coffee too. Uh, and it was just from being downtime, summertime, living in Stockholm, going to you know your local little cafe and just getting a latte.
0: So Stockholm, I mean, or Scandinavia in general, as I recall, I haven't had the opportunity to go spend any time there. But, like, coffee is... Is its own kind of religion out there, as I understand it. It's a big deal, and when I think about Scandinavia in general, uh, it's kind of it's a culture of precision with regards to artistry. Would you agree with that?
1: I mean, I think sure. Everyone in Finland, Sweden drink a lot of coffee. It's insane, actually. I go back home and I can't believe the amount of coffee they drink. Um, but yeah, it's but it's, it's so a setting culture. You know, you wake up in the morning, you get a coffee, you go to work, you go to a coffee break back to work you go for another coffee break and then you go home and some people even drink coffee at night after dinner um so it's not uncommon for people to have four cups of coffees a day at all uh, in fact my mom probably has at least four or five cups of coffee a day dude i bet your mom's a fun hang huh uh, You yeah know, it's just she's really picky which is great and i think i've actually made her even a more picky coffee drinker
0: Dude, so you're you move here. You're 23. You're still snowboarding for cash, which is awesome. And so, what begins to really spark your interest in coffee on the deep level? I mean, I mean, people who know heart coffee and they know you. Like, I mean, you're people like you. You have taken a level of care and precision to the way you go about your coffee. At, to me, which is at the, at the very tip top of the industry. What's the genesis of that shifting from Uh, caffeine delivery vehicle to like, this is something magical that I might want to pour my heart and soul into.
1: Like I said, I get into things and I get fully head first and I get, you know, I get obsessed about it. Um, When we first opened, we weren't that good. It wasn't that great. Heart wasn't like great out of the gates, you know. Everyone like, goes through a learning curve. So the first few years, you know, like, sure, we had some great moments, but it was, you know, we had some bad moments too of coffee buying raw coffee and so it was a it was a fast learning curve for me but being in Portland you know like I'm surrounded by Stumptown and all these people that were roasting coffee at the time uh, I wasn't roasting I was just brewing their coffee making espresso at home and tasting different coffees and you know it really just kind of like sparked at me with a day when I realized that when I went to Stumptown that I was like oh I, I got this drink but it tastes totally different today what's, what's the deal like this is taste Weird. Like I, I'm not. I'm not sure if I really like it, but it's so different from yesterday. What's going on? I asked the barista. Oh yeah, we should serve in this natural today. And I'm like, okay, like weird. Uh, and that kind of like sparked the interest of um, me getting more and more into coffee. Okay. Of like, what is the difference between beans? These beans versus those? You know, like beans from Guatemala, Ethiopia, and so on. Hey,
0: actually, we got to jump out real quick. Uh, gosh, this is such a great conversation. We're here with Vlay from Heart Roasters, founder of Heart Roasters, one of the great roasters in the world. Uh, stay with us. We'll be back for a second segment in a moment. And welcome back to The Liquid Lifestyle here on the Radio Northwest Network, where we are having... A sweet conversation with my man Vile from Heart Roasters. And uh, in our first segment, man, we we let the cat out of the bag and, 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 you know, let everybody know about your professional snowboarding past, which is so cool. It's, I mean, you know, it must be really exciting when you look at the the story that is your life so far. Like, man, you grew up in Scandinavia. You start skateboarding, then you, you jump on then you jump on a snowboard, and people start paying you for it. Then you move to Portland. You become captivated by coffee, and you move into the coffee space. And again, last segment, you were kind of you were talking a lot about kind of your segue into coffee. So I, I want to backtrack just a little bit. You were talking about Stumptown being, you know, what they were doing there being influential. You know, what was your first Portland cafe job? Um, and and how can you kind of walk us through like when the genesis of like I'm going to start my own coffee roaster
1: kind of Happened well, I never had a Portland cafe job. Oh, so, wow! So, I actually, you know, learned by going to cafes and roasting at my house. So, I would buy coffee from different roasters and I would brew it at home. Uh, it started with having, you know, one of those home uh, KitchenAid espresso machines to one of those I don't know, like a whole lot to love on the website, but like uh I don't know what it was. Like, it was a liver espresso machine. It was, like, a little bit nicer, but still, you know, a home espresso machine. And then I bought a Cineso, you know, two-group, professional, you know, espresso machine on eBay and installed in my kitchen, which some people think is completely nuts. And that's how into coffee I was, you know. Uh, I had a full, you know. It was a fetish. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was, like, crazy. People (laughs) thought I was absolutely nuts. And, you know, maybe I was at the time. Um... So my kitchen was kind of like a cafe. You know, I had a rover in my kitchen, and I had a Sinesso 2 group, and then I bought a one-pound roaster that I roasted coffee in the basement. I bought coffee from Sweet Maria's, and that was what I was doing uh, on my off time from not snowboarding dude that's that's just so nuts and I love it because this is it's, I don't know I hate to say this it's
0: so Portland that someone would just become this obsessed with something beautiful and just on their own not even I mean from what I'm hearing you're not like thinking business you're thinking this coffee stuff's awesome I'm just gonna refine the heck out of it in my in my own little uh, compound and uh, so that leads me to think so when do you get to the point you're like dude, I'm getting good at this, like kind of like professional snowboarder good at this. Uh, I might actually turn this into a business. When does that happen? How old were you and and how does that that transition, what does that transition look like?
1: Well, I was 30 at the time and, uh, you know, I didn't think necessarily like, oh, this is, you know, I'm really good at this. It was more like I had this equipment and I knew some friends in the coffee that were sick of working at their jobs, and I was like, well, I could open this cafe, but I don't really know if I should be buying coffee from some roaster. At the moment, I wasn't really excited about the coffee that was in Portland at that moment.
0: And when was, how, how long ago was this exactly?
1: About seven years ago. And so I, I was like, well, I'm just going to buy my own roaster. I'm going to roast my own coffee, and we're going to open a cafe. Originally, it was going to be... Just like, like that, pretty much. I <laughs> mean, I mean, I had saved money from snowboarding, so it wasn't like the the roaster and espresso machines and things like that wasn't like oh, I can't buy this because you know I came from a lifestyle I was making good money, and um, instead of spending all that money on something ridiculous, I was actually saving it and putting it uh, into something that potentially was going to be my business in the future. Um, good advice. And, yeah, I mean, it's really hard when you make a lot of money to save money. Uh, when I was younger, I spent a lot of it. But, um, you know, later on, I was getting, becoming smarter. Um, yeah, I mean, I hired a few people. We started build out a space that I found. I mean, looking for a space took a long time. But then found a space. We started to build out. And it kind of, like, took off, like a snowball effect. You know, I was like, I'm getting this roaster. And then I was like... I don't want to open with this roaster. I don't think this roaster is actually, like, legit. Like, I, there's some so many problems with this roaster. So then I was supposed to go to Chile on this snowboard trip. and As you do. And I had this first time ever feeling, like, bad feeling about the trip. Like, I've never had this. Like, if I had this feeling about hitting a j- snowboard jump and I have a bad feeling about it and I still hit it, I end up getting hurt. And so inside of all of this, I had this voice, like, okay, back off you're not doing this because when that voice or that feeling is there i just don't do it and that's how i managed to get through my snowboard career without getting any serious injuries and it was just like this thing listening to my body and how i feel about it and the first time ever i got that feeling at the airport getting about to board this plane like checking in my stuff and everything and i was like i something feels so off about this i shouldn't be going there and I actually, at the ticket counter when they were like, yeah, your bags probably won't make the second connection right the flight. And I was like, you know what, I'm not gonna go on this plane. And they're like, what? I'm like, no, I'm just not gonna go. And I went home, I contacted this uh, company in Germany and they had this UG-15 roaster that I've been, like, obsessing about. And I was like, no, I'm just going to buy that roaster. I'm not going on that trip. It's I'm done. I'm just not going to go on that snowboard trip. I might get fired from my company, but it's okay. Like, I can survive from here on, and I'll figure it out. So I got a call from uh, the higher-ups in the company and be like, hey, so you're going to board that plane tomorrow? And I'm like, no. And they're like, you realize this is going to be consequences on your contract. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. And... So I dealt with that. A few months later, you know, I got a pay cut, whatever. But they still was like, you know, we still want to market you. You're a marketable person. We keep you in the program. You're just not gonna make the same salary. I'm like, that's fine. And uh, that's kind of how I, I then s- dove straight into coffee. And at the same time, I was, you know, I had a contract with Volcom, and I contacted them, and I was like, listen, I just don't want to be in the spotlight anymore. I want to move away from it. I've done it so many years. I want to open my own business and you know, I don't know what you guys want to do with my contract. And they were actually psyched. They were like, this is amazing. Like, we always have to fire people. And they're like, we want to put you, like, on a retirement package. Like, you know, give you this salary next year and a little bit less next year and help you get through to the transition of, like, getting from being a pro to starting your own, you know, business career. And so it was really helpful. They kind of, like, helped me through that whole transition of going from snowboarding to a cafe owner a roaster owner you know running a business and uh I don't know that's kind of how it all started and I had no experience working in a cafe I had no experience in like besides roasting at home but you know luckily I I was aware of that I need to hire those people and I knew the people that I thought were great for that job
0: Dude, just so enjoying. I'm just captivated by all the stuff you're, you're sharing with us. We got to jump out. That's the end of our second segment. More coming at you with Vile from Heart Roasters here on the Liquid Lifestyle on the Radio Northwest Network. And welcome back to us here at the Liquid Lifestyle on the Radio North, Northwest Network, where we are kicking it with Vile Uli Luoma from heart coffee roasters man and i feel i'm feeling so proud of myself for like pronouncing your last name correctly man because that is a heck of a last name i can see why the uh, snowboarding companies were thinking this kid's marketable man but uh if you're jumping in uh if you're just joining us uh, today we uh once again we're chatting with Vile from heart roasters and uh, he uh his background uh you know he came from scandinavia he was uh early on became a professional snowboarder fell in love with portland fell in love with coffee as uh, as you might have heard and uh about uh, in 2009 he opens heart coffee roasters and uh, gosh you know you have a reputation around the world like you know i was actually in dc last week and i roll into the chinatown coffee company and i'm drinking your coffee and then i've you know i've been in melbourne australia and they got bags of your coffee you know you've kind of created a cult status around what you do man i'd love you to just kind of Walk us through, like, what is heart coffee with regards to your bean selection, your your roasting perspective, all those good things, man. Maybe start with uh, your 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 philosophy of of selecting beans, man.
1: Um, (laughs) my philosophy of selecting beans, uh, you know, I don't know, I don't know how. (laughs) I mean, it really comes down to just uh, quality and learning from, you know, from. How you score a coffee. Like, what is it that's good in a coffee? Like, we, you know, is it sweet? The sweetness, there's transparency, the body, the acidity, everything has to work together, right? And that's how SCA score sheets work. And, you know, really, like, people are like, coffee is subjective, uh, uh, but I don't think there's like such thing. You know, there's better quality coffee. And, you know, you take a board of people, hundred people there there's always going to be a winner of the best coffee like cup of excellence and so on so I think there is such a thing as better coffee not just taste like people are like, oh it's my taste or whatever but I think people some people are better at tasting uh, for us it is pretty simple to a point where we're like we blindly taste all these products we are very harsh and critics even on our own products and um, what's good about the coffee you know and we write these down and we try not to Um, interfere with each other's notes in the roastery like it's me and the two roasters and our QC guy and then we talk about products and then we see how we can improve it Uh, as far as buying green coffee it's for me I something that comes over time you can't just go in and oh, I'm gonna become a green buyer you you experience buying some good coffees and you, you roast that coffee for X amount of months and then you go, Oh, that was a great product. And then you kinda of have that memory in your head of like how it was as when you bought it, the raw form. Like in the in the beginning stage, let's say. And um, you know, that happens over years and you buy some coffee that wasn't that good. And so you have to make those mistakes. And If you're good at like getting rid of those mistakes, so hey, this coffee doesn't taste good. What should we do with this? Well, let's find a big commercial roaster and sell all the green to them, so we don't have to roast this coffee. So we would do things like that a lot of times when we have coffee that we don't like. We don't sell it. We don't sell it. Put it on the shelf. We do do not try to get rid of it in our stores or with our brand. So there's always another roaster that's willing to buy it for a lower price. And. To me, that's you know maybe it's financially is not the best move, but that's allowed us to keep getting good coffee on the menu for over the years and not sell those bad coffees. And I don't know if that's our strategy or whatever how you want to say, it, but really we just we want we want to drink good coffee and we want people to experience it. Um, we want to we don't want to taste any roast. We want to don't want to taste you know products are created by the end product of like if I'm roasting the coffee I want to really taste where the coffee is from but I also want it to be sweet and I want it to be balanced Um, so those things require a lot of work
0: Yeah, they certainly do, man. And uh, if you haven't, if you're listening, you haven't been to Hart Coffee Roasters. There's a location out on East Burnside and one on uh, the corner of 12th and Alder. Get your butt down there. Uh, The coffees are exquisitely balanced. I personally just uh, really enjoy your coffees uh, without anything, naked, so to speak, Uh, just because I feel like you have almost this wine-like touch with what you do um professionally and uh so i mean one of the things i've noticed is uh just just like with most roasters you just there's this broadband kind of selection of beans from around the world are there any regions that you feel that you enjoy from your perspective do you think you know make the best coffees you know it, places to get green coffee for instance like africa or central america or do you or do you have an affinity for them in different ways
1: uh you know I used to be obsessed with Kenyan coffee. From Neri was like those were like the king coffees for me. It's changed over the years because there are some issues with the Niri coffees the last few years. So we haven't gotten the the lots that we wanted to buy. And uh, But I've also like started to like more and more Colombian coffees. It's an exciting country for me right now because there's such a broad spectrum of different flavor profiles. You know, you have Nariño, very far south, that produces like crazy flavors like very kenyan like coffee sometimes and then you have um tolima in that's producing also very like very heavy ripe coffees and then you have like Cundillo, which is producing a little bit more um maybe more delicate coffees so there's like this much more wider spectrum of coffee in colombia and they produce pretty much a year round which is also amazing because really you need to have fresh green coffee that's how you're able to give a customer like the best experience you can't buy the green coffee and have it sit in your warehouse for a year and roast it it just doesn't taste good and in order for you to be able to roast coffee also to a lighter degree it needs to be high quality so because we're not hiding flavors by roasting over things we're just um, we're roasting it to proper degree where you can actually taste you know that coffee is how special that coffee is. Otherwise, it's just a waste of money and time to go out there and finding these coffees.
0: You're releasing you're releasing the magic is what you're doing with the roasting process.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I, li- I like to look at it. We, we don't really improve the coffee at any point. Uh, it's at its best when it's at origin, and we're tasting that coffee. And then from there on, we try to do everything to just keep that on the way. Like figuring out the best logistics how fast can we get it here how do we package the coffee make sure it doesn't once it's milled that it stays in a stable environment that it doesn't spend a week in some really high humidity place because this coffee is going to absorb all this humidity and get ruined so there's a lot more that goes into it than just here's a cup of coffee it's a it's a whole chain of links and we like to keep it all clean and hopefully no chains break you know on the way and when you get that moment of, like, a really good a cup of coffee, you know, people don't realize how much went in, into that. It's just insane. And at this point, it's still, you know, some people think we're expensive, but if they understood or saw the process, they'd be thinking that that's a really good deal. If they only knew, I can totally see that. Um, you know, I had, I brought this guy with me who does video stuff for us, and He's he's a frugal guy, and he's like, I would have no problem paying five dollars for a cup of coffee after being all the trips with you. He's like, he sees the farmer, he sees, uh, the, you know, the, the producers, he sees uh, exports, and all like what the coffee goes through. And then by the time he gets here, what it goes through, you know, we we get the coffee. We don't sell you the first three or four batches of coffee we roast. We roast the coffee until we feel like it's going to be awesome and tastes great, that's when we put it in the bags and goes on the shelf and it goes to the cafes. So sometimes we might blow up like 100 or 200 pounds of coffee that we just took for us to dial it in to get to that point. It's really sometimes kind of depressing to me to see those amounts. I'm like, how can I get that number smaller? Because when I see the farmer, how much work they put into that, and I'm like, I'm just going to take 100 pounds of that product and just waste it until i get it to dial in so you know now we use more like we use uh, moisture meters density meters we use water activity meters all these different things so when the coffee comes in i have a better idea what the profile is going to be for that coffee so maybe now it only takes us 50 pounds or 75 pounds to dial in the coffee but that's something that people need to remember it's not just get the coffee and roast it
0: it's, it's really cool to hear this, uh, just the amount of, God, it's, just, it's very culinary. There's just so much detail that goes into, into what you're doing, man. we got to jump out. Uh, we have one more segment with Vile Uli Duoma from Hard Coffee Roasters here on The Liquid Lifestyle. Back at you in just a moment. welcome back to the liquid Lifestyle here on the radio northwest network where we are chatting with Vile Uli Luoma from Heart Coffee Roasters and I'm getting better with your last name not quite there yet but I'm I am moving towards that perfection and uh, man I this has been such a cool show I mean uh, we've chatted quite a bit and I have an understanding because I am pretty passionate about the coffee space but it's just been fun just to get it from uh, first hand from one of the great coffee roasters in the world like how you know one becomes a coffee roaster and and what, like, you know, that lifestyle looks like. And, uh, you know, for this last segment, man, uh, I'd just like to talk uh, home coffee making because most people still do you know brew up a coffee at home before they go out the door in the morning and uh, you know with the amount of work and the uh, that you put in not to mention the farmers around the world are putting into the quality of uh, their beans you know I, I think it'd be like a little tutorial on making a great cup of coffee at home would be in order today and uh, you know I tell you what uh, where, where, where does one start I mean you know from from buying the be you go to a store you buy a bag of coffee anything somebody's looking for in particular?
1: Uh you want to make sure that you the coffee you're buying is you know not too far from roast date. Uh I would say our coffee is you know it, it's fine all the way to 2 weeks out because it's uh, packaged in a foil bag, it's a one-way valve, but I would avoid a, any paper bags. Um you know I know people are like oh yeah, reusable whatever but Coffee is not supposed to be in paper bags. It just goes bad after five days. It just doesn't taste good. Um, so Freshness is key then. Yeah, so you want to make sure you buy, buy coffee that is in a foil bag that has a one-way valve in it. Uh, make sure the roast date is correct. And then I would also try to ask people... if. If you're in a coffee shop, is like, when was this coffee harvested? You know, you want to buy... You don't necessarily want to buy Guatemalan coffee at this time of year. Like, it's going to be pretty much, you know, almost a year from harvest. So this would be the time you buy Colombian coffees and coffees that are from um, Southern Hemisphere. So... um, Because all of us think about these little details. I love it, man. I love it. I love it. Uh, But, you know, so you want to buy seasonal coffees and... When you brew coffee at home, you really want to make sure you have right water. So just don't use regular tap water. You, you want to filter the water. So there's different ways to filter it. You can just buy one of those uh, Brita filters from the store. That works also. It's not great, but it works. Um, and then uh, also you have to have a burr grinder. Uh, you can't have one of those chop grinders that, uh, you know, you hold down the button and it keeps keeps grinding longer and longer and it changes the particle size so really you need to have a beer grinder so where the coffee goes in top and it comes at the bottom uh, and you can adjust that and to your specific needs um, and then you have to figure out the ratio of the coffee What it, what is it you're brewing you know is you brewing with a home coffee maker if you are brewing with a home coffee maker easily usually tell, tell people like 1 to 16 1 to 17 ratio so one part coffee 16 or 17 parts water is is the right amount to do and you shouldn't change this if you want to make a stronger cup of coffee then you know maybe find uh the coffee that you think is stronger it's to me it's a ridiculous statement so like I want a stronger cup of coffee I'm like what do you mean with that you want something that tastes harsher or uh, you know really like that's kind of the right ratio and then you adjust the grind to where you taste the most sweetness and that is most likely going to be the right setting for your coffee setup at home. And, you know, some people are better at this than others with tasting, but you have good water, good beer grinder, also scale. Uh, you know, you really need that just weigh out your water and your coffee. It's, it's not, you can't just randomly put it in. Like, you know, a cook is not going to, or, or, or a baker is not going to make your. Uh, your croissants or things like eyeballing they always put the right amount of sugar or always put the right amount of butter because you know that's what you need to be able to bring something consistent same thing with coffee and so use the scale and you know record what you did and if you don't like it adjust something one thing at a time until you get to the point where you're like oh this tastes great now remember when you buy a different coffee Uh, it might not extract the same way so just because you've been brewing that coffee that you really like and you switch to a different roaster uh, you might have to adjust the grind setting and this doesn't mean that that roaster's coffee isn't good you're not given a fair chance unless you really have dialed in that coffee and that's something that I think um, we struggle a lot with home brewers is they go from using a really 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 dark coffee and then they buy our coffee and they're like whoa this is like tasting like water and you're like well how how are you brewing it and so you have to walk them through the whole steps and eventually they get it and then they're like wow i never want to drink anything else
0: Dude, that's, and that's what you want to hear from people. And, uh, man, we are just coming up on the end of the show. And uh, it's amazing how time flies. Every time when I, ch- I chat with someone like yourself, it's just like, snap, it's gone. But, uh, man, I just want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy day. I know you're, you you got some new roasting equipment going on. And, uh, again, uh, we've been talking with Vile Uli Luoma. Uli. <laughs> Uli Luoma. Oh, man, Sorry. <laughs> It's been awesome chatting with you, man, and I wish you all the best. Look forward to drinking lots more heart coffee. As always, you have been listening to The Liquid Lifestyle on the Radio Northwest Network. This is Ryan you're on-air bartender and host, signing off, reminding you to always drink your best.